blessed be the name of the Lord. Just a couple of thoughts, uh, really, just to let you know before we get into God's Word, we are back on our schedule, so to speak, our normal church schedule. So that means Wednesday we'll be gathering back here in God's house uh, at 7 o'clock uh, because we desperately need to pray. We need to look to the Lord and ask him to pour out his blessings and, uh, upon those so many needs that we have, uh, not only represented by the people here in the church, but by, by friends and family. So uh, I want to encourage you to join us. And a week from tomorrow, we are going to be starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I mark that on your calendar. It'll be starting a week from tomorrow. And uh, next week, we'll give you some more direction uh, regarding that so that we can all be on that same page. And because the Bible talks about the fact that there are seasons where as we lift up our voice, God answers prayer. But then there are seasons that uh, of great difficulty where Jesus himself said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Fasting is a form of self-denial so that you can really seek after God uh, and you want to try to silence all the other voices, so to speak, and really focus on God. And uh, so that's what we're going to be doing a week from tomorrow. Now let's get into God's word this morning. I want to read to you uh, something from Apple. Everybody knows Apple by now. Uh, okay, somebody has an Apple phone. Okay. All right. So you got an iPhone and an iPad. All right. I'm going to talk to you this morning about core values. And before I explain to you what a core value is, let me give you uh, some of just a few that I picked up from Apple's uh, website and, and what they believe in as their core value. Listen, we believe we're on the face of the earth to make great products. We believe in the simple, not the complex. We believe in saying no to thousands of projects so that we can really focus on the few that are truly important and meaningful to us. Then I looked at Coca-Cola. Who doesn't know Coca-Cola worldwide? I just want to pick two core values of Coca-Cola. Listen, we don't compromise our standards and we don't take shortcuts. And then here's another one. We always do the right thing even when no one is watching. Core values from two huge corporations. Now, you'll see it come on the screen. By definition, a core value is a guiding principle that formed the foundation upon which we work and conduct ourselves. If I could break it down even more, it's just talk about core values, support the vision that organizations have, uh, churches have. Uh, they shape our culture within the church. They reflect what we value the most. And at Belmont, you know that uh, our tagline uh, represents 
our vision, which is finding direction together. Come on, say that with me. Finding direction together. In other words, we are here to help people find or discover that the, the spiritual direction that they need for their life. That's the very reason why we exist. That's our purpose for being here. And we do this together, meaning we're all on the same journey. As the pastor, I'm on the same journey as you are. Uh, staff members, deacons, we are all on this journey together. No one has arrived to their final destination. We are all looking to find the direction that we need from God for all of our lives. And so we want to do that together as a, as a, a community. And to help us stay on that mission, to help us stay focused, we have these uh, three core values. That's all we have in the church. Three core values that we have prayerfully selected. And uh, every new year, I, I do my best to try to uh, refresh us. And for those of you that might be new to the church, it's important that you understand what we truly value here. Listen, three core values. It's the cultivation of God's glory. That's number one. The cultivation of love and the cultivation of maturity. And we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about each one of these. Today, we're going to be focusing on the cultivation of God's glory. Now, that word cultivate is something that I want to define as well uh, so that you understand why we, we structured the core value that way. The word cultivate means to promote uh, the, or develop, the development uh, or the growth of something, right? To promote or develop the growth of something. And for us, this first core value is the cultivation, the promotion, or the development, if you will, of God's glory. Now, oftentimes, I like to break everything down because I don't take for granted that we understand every single thing that is heard from the pulpit or even that we read in our Bible. For instance, the word glory. We were singing about it earlier, but what does it mean for the glory of God? When we say that, what does that mean, the word glory? Well, simply put, the word glory means to give high honor and praise. To give high honor and praise. So as we journey together to find this spiritual direction that we need for our lives, here at Belmont and in our lives personally, we want to do that in such a way that God is glorified. In other words, that God receives high honor and praise. Here at the church, we are constantly stressing that we don't want anyone to receive any glory. And that means this. In this church, we do not praise man. I am a simple human being, probably more simple than you are. Uh, so I don't want anybody ever putting me on a pedestal. Early on in my Christianity, one of the reasons why I, I had some stumblings in my life is because I kept putting pastors on, a, on this pedestal without knowing it. In other words, in my eyes, they were perfect. They were the men of God. They were the people that were really holy. And so when you uh, saw their, when I saw their humanity, when I saw their failures, it really threw me for a loop. 
until one day God revealed to me that I was committing a sin because only one person deserves to be high and lifted up, and that's Jesus. And so I want to really exhort you and encourage you. Don't ever put me or anybody in this church on a pedestal. Pastor Jason, as wonderful as he is in leading us in worship, and today he has a sore throat, so uh, we, we gave him a break, but we, didn't, we still made him play. Uh, but, uh, you know, as wonderful as he is, we give God the glory for the gifting he's given Pastor Jason. It's wonderful, it's an okay to thank him for leading us and encouraging us and helping us to worship God, but we certainly don't want to put anybody in that place that only belongs to God. Amen? Okay, so I want to begin laying a foundation before we actually get into the meat of what I want to talk about. Psalm 19, verse 1. Listen to what the Bible says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Then in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, it says, For everything, come on, say everything with me. Everything. For everything comes from him, meaning God, and exists by his power and is intended for his what? Glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. So notice in Psalm, it talks about the fact that the very heavens declare the glory of God. The very heavens, when we look at the universe, the stars, when we look at the planets, when we look at this earth and the majesty of mountains and, all, and nature and all those things, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to cause you and I to declare high praise to God. Yes to honor the one who created them all. In other words, listen to me, don't ever worship a rock. There's nothing special about the rock. What's special is the God who made the rock. And so what we want to make do, recognize is we, I, I love the awesomeness of nature. But for me, it always called, brings me to that point point. say, oh God, what you have done. Yes. Blessed be your name. Yes. You're an awesome God. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, everything comes from God, exists by his power, and was intended, meaning the purpose is to bring glory for God. That means you're here today for one purpose and one purpose alone. God intends you to bring glory to his name. Everything that exists, God created it for one purpose, that it might bring glory to his name, that it may bring this high honor and praise to his wonderful name. Yes. Now, in Ephesians, I'm going to look at chapter 1, a couple of verses, starting in verse 11. In him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his what? Glory. Come on, say, for the praise of his? Glory. For the praise of his glory. Now, we just talked about a little bit earlier 
how little Elkanah was, uh, God was the one that was creating him in his mother's womb. God is the one that formed his character. God is the one that formed his personality. God is the one that formed his physical body. God is the one that developed the plan that he has for Elkanah's life. Now, in Ephesians, it tells us, as we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become now the people of God. And as the people of God, we need to see that we were chosen. The word predestined means before you were even born, God already had a plan for your life. And that plan included you embracing Jesus Christ as his son, his son as, as your savior. So God is the one that predestined you. He already determined that he was going to bring you into the kingdom. It wasn't anything that you have done. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's not anything that uh, because we belong to uh, Belmont or any religious organization. It's not because of personal morality. We are saved purely because of the grace of God. Amen. Because God chose to have favor on us. And as such, Ephesians reminds us, God did that so that you could bring glory to his name. So that you can bring high praise and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Listen, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Whatever you do, whatever you do, make sure you do it for one purpose. Make sure the motive behind everything that you do in life as a child of God, as a Christian, make sure that you do it for one purpose and one purpose alone, to bring high praise and honor to the name of Jesus. So the cultivation of God's glory is to live in such a way so as to promote the glorification of God's name. To promote the glorification of Jesus Christ. And so I felt I want to break that down for us in a very practical way this morning. What does it mean to structure my life in such a way so that the name of Jesus Christ is glorified? So that what we do here, Jesus is glorified through. Number one, listen, is how we worship should glorify God. The psalmist, in Psalm 34, verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. In the 69th Psalm, the 30th verse, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Glorifying the name of God through worship. One of the things we endeavor to do here at Belmont, because it's our core value, we want to make sure that when we do worship, that which is the beginning part of our service, the songs that are selected, uh, the, the moments that we pause, we want everything to point to Jesus Christ. We want it to help you, all the people here worship God. Yes. We're not interested in cute songs. Yes. We're not interested in songs that are the, the latest trend. I 
only want us to do songs that glorify the name that's above every other name. That's the name of Jesus. Now, this is the culture of worship that we want to create that glorifies God. And so that brings us to a couple questions to ask us personally now. Does your worship glorify God? Let's talk about it here. When we gather together and we're singing songs, are you singing with all your heart to God? Is your focus on giving God not just, listen, to bring God glory means to give him high praise, high honor. So what does that mean, Pastor? It means we can worship here or we can worship here. We can come to church and while we're singing the songs, I don't know about you, but there's times where I've caught myself and I've had to repent where I have been singing, but I've, my mind is somewhere else. You ever been there? Yes. Yeah, I've been, a lot of us have been there. We know what that is. We're singing and we're thinking about, boy, when I get out of here, mm, I'm already hungry. And next thing you know, like, oh my God, I, worship is even over. I, I had a full meal in my mind of what, I was eat, of what we're going to eat afterwards. Yeah. It can happen to all, any of us at any time. Yes. Or we can get to that point where we come in and we come in with attitudes. We're moody. We didn't get a good night's sleep. Whatever the case might be. And we come in and we're just, no, I'm just not in the mood to worship. And we'll stand respectfully, but that's all it is. And to that measure, I will even say it's praise, but it is not high praise. And it's only high praise that glorifies God. So that's the challenge for us, isn't it? Yeah. That when we gather together, which we only do two times out of the, out of the week, uh, but when we gather, we got to take the most of this opportunity to make sure that when we gather together, our heartbeat should be, God, everything that I do, remember that's the scripture, make sure that it glorifies God. If I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing in such a way that it glorifies God. If I'm going to praise, I'm going to praise with all my heart so that it glorifies God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I am not here to sing to impress you. I don't, I don't, I don't want to worship and raise my hand because I want people to see how holy I am. I'm not here for anybody else. I'm here for God. I'm here to communicate and meet with Jesus Christ, my Savior, who loved me and died for me. And so I want my worship to always glorify his name. And that's here. But what about when we're not here? Is the Christian journey all about just what we do in church? No, I know you know it's not. So the question comes, does my worship glorify God at home? Do I even worship God at home? For those of you who are watching with us online, were you just sitting down on television while we were worshiping? If you did that, you didn't glorify God. Were you having your breakfast while you were watching worship? Doesn't glorify God. See, I'm talking very plain this morning, heart to heart to all of us, including those that are watching. We can fall into these ruts, can't we? 
And, and, and all of a sudden now we think we have arrived at some place spiritually because we're coming to church. Hey, I even worship God. Well, did you see me, Pastor? That's wonderful. But what about tomorrow? What about Tuesday? Is there any worship going on in your life when you're not in, in church? That's the question. The second thing that came to my heart is how we speak should glorify God. That's point number two. The psalmist said this in 63, Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I want to read from also James in chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Listen, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, we praise, come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Should not be. Now, how we speak to others. Does my speech glorify God? That's the question this morning. When we're gathered here in this place, what are we saying to one another? Are we saying words that build up or are we saying words that tear down? Ladies, can I say this? Be careful what you say in the bathroom because you never know when my wife is in the stall and she'll come out. <laughs> and not just ladies, guys, you know, you can get together in the one corner of the church and you know, hey, and you start gossiping, talking about other people. See, in, in this place, we want to make sure that we create an atmosphere, that we promote an atmosphere where God is glorified. And that's not just during the worship. That's before the worship starts. That's after the worship starts. We want to make sure that our conversation, as the Bible says, is seasoned with salt, meaning that it preserves, that it enhances people's lives, not destroys lives. You know? Same thing at home. Come on. Oh, we can speak a good language here in church. We know how to be careful on what we say. But are we that way at home? On the job? Is your language salty on the job? Is your language in that place where there's coarse joking going on? You, you, you engage in saying things on your job you would never ever think to say in church. See, we want our lives to bring glory to God, not just here when we're gathered together, but everywhere, at home, on the job. And oh, by the way, that also includes social media. The biggest expression of speech today is social media. And somehow, God's people have come to this place where they feel they can say anything they want on social media. Again, remember, 
The Bible says you'll have to give an account for every careless word that you've spoken. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And God records. See, you may be able to delete your comment, but you can't delete it in heaven. And once you've hit send, it's recorded in heaven. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, please ask this one question before you hit send. Will this comment glorify God? Amen. Simple question. God, will this bring glory and honor to your name? Will it bring that high praise to your name? I believe if we ask that question, see, the Lord will really help us and guide us with that. Third point, how we live should glorify God. How we live should glorify God. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition every desire, your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my, my disciples. Coupling these verses together, we're talking about bringing glory to God. That's the cultivation of God's glory, promoting an atmosphere whereby God receives high praise and his name is honored. And so we want to look at that. Uh, we want to worship God. We want to worship God in a way where he receives glory. We want to make sure that what we say, uh, that, that our speech is one that brings honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And we want to make sure that how we live, our lifestyle, and what we are engaged in brings honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Now, regarding that, I just want to say two quick things and then we'll move on to the last point. How we live should glorify God. And what that translates for us is to recognize, remember I said earlier, little Alkana, God has a plan for his life. And we talked about that even last week, that God has a plan for every single one of our lives. And in that plan, the Bible teaches us that there are things that God has prepared for us to do. There's work that God wants us to get involved in. So the question becomes, is my lifestyle glorifying to God? And that means, am I doing what God saved me to do? See, I, don't, I didn't realize it back then, of course. Uh, there's no way I could have known. But one of the things that God gave me life for was so that one day he would make me a pastor. It is not something I sought out. It is not something that I've ever felt I, I merited. I certainly didn't merit it. But it was part of God's plan for my life. 
But prior to that, I realized that there were things that God had purposed and planned for my life that I was engaged in, that I did my best to try to fulfill. Uh, I, at one point, I was teaching eight and nine-year-old classes because that's what God wanted me to do at that stage in my life. At that stage in my journey of finding direction for my life, God led me to teach the eight and nine-year-olds so that not only would I bless them, but I would also then learn on how to break down God's word so that a child could understand. And something that would serve me well when I would grace the pulpit. You see, I'm talking about the fact that God has a plan for your life. And if you really want to bring glory to God, then you got to make sure you're engaged in what God has saved you to do. Are you doing what God saved you to do? I say this reverently that none of us is born to sit in a seat and do nothing. If we are not actively engaged in doing what God has purposed for our life to do, then we cannot bring glory to the name of God. And not only should our worship bring glory to God, not only should our speech bring glory to God, but that which we are engaged in, how we're living our life, should bring glory to God. Pastor Jason, if you would come back, please. Last one. How we handle hardship should glorify God. Now this one is a tough one for us. But listen, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 4, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Do you notice that God say, everything that Pharaoh is doing, I'm, I'm behind it. Pharaoh was chasing God's people. And they were hemmed in. And they thought that they were at their wit's end. That they were, this is it. We're done. There's no way for us to escape. And it was all part of God's plan. God said, I've allowed this to happen because through it, I'm going to be glorified. None of us likes hardships. Is there anybody in this room that likes hardship? Let me see your hand. I'd love to give you mine. <laughs> None of us likes hardship. We'd rather have this Eden-like life, this euphoric spiritual life where we just are like Tiny Tim tiptoeing to the tulips. A lot of you don't know who Tiny Tim is, huh? do you? Good, it's good that you don't. Anyway, the bottom line is hardships are part of the journey that every believer has to deal with. And how we deal with them is what determines whether we will glorify God with them. In 1 Peter, here's a couple of verses. We read them recently. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, 
may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? Okay. Here it is. When troubles come, how I respond to trouble will determine whether Jesus is glorified or not. Do I murmur and complain? Do I get angry at God for allowing it to happen? Do I blame him and, 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 and in my heart uh, declare that he is a God that is unfit of my worship and my praise? Or do I take the position of saying, this too is part of the plan of God for my life. And in this moment, God has allowed this to test my faith. And if my faith is proven genuine, that will glorify his name. Therefore, God, I thank you for this moment. And I pray, Father, that I will receive the strength to have the faith to honor you, even in this hardship that I find myself in right now. See, this is the journey we're talking about. It's the journey to fulfill the very purpose for which we were created. Reading it once again, Romans eleven thirty six. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Everything. The good times and the bad times. It's all intended for his glory. Stand with me. As this new year begins to unfold, I think it's so important to remind ourselves that we exist for the sole purpose of bringing God glory. Honoring his name and giving him high praise. Through my worship, through what I say, through how I live, what my hands are engaged in, and through what my heart is feeling and dealing with in difficult times. It all should result in God being glorified. That is a core value of this church. Because if we do not exist to glorify God, then there is no purpose for our existence. Father, I come before you in this precious name of Jesus Christ. A few moments ago, through the communion, we celebrated the fact that through his death, we can experience your wonderful presence. We can not only have our sins forgiven, but we can know what it is to make contact with the living God, to experience your presence. And God, you've reminded us this morning through your word that everything exists and is intended for your purpose, for your glory. That's why you created us, so that we 
would give you not only great honor, but high praise. And I pray for all of us here today, God. Then in, in the few aspects that we touched based on, God, that our worship this year, oh God, we're not going to look back, we're not going to stumble over the past, but going forward and from this moment forward, we want our worship to glorify the name of Jesus. Not only when we're gathered here, oh God, but when we're in our private life at home, oh God, in that quiet time, we want our worship to honor and glorify the precious name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that there will be such a supernatural release of the Spirit of God in this house, Lord. That God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will elevate our worship to a whole nother level, unlike we've ever experienced before. That we'll forget about ourselves, we'll forget about our shortcomings, and that when we gather together in this house, oh God, it will be for the express purpose to lift up our voice, to lift up our hands, oh God, to declare high praise to Almighty God. I pray, Father, that we will glorify your name by how we speak to one another here in this house, how we speak to one another at home, how we conduct ourselves through our speech and our, our jobs or, or our school. How we talk on the internet and social media. May it glorify your name. May our speech glorify your name. And Father, I pray that these hands that you have given us were created by you to do the work that you purposed and planned for us to do. And we understand now that we cannot bring glory to your name if we are not engaged in the very purpose for which you created us. So I pray that this year there would be a great release of the Spirit of God in our life so that we might be engaged in the very purpose for which you saved us. Doing the thing that you called us to do, God. At this stage of, the, of our journey, oh God, there are things that you have purposed and planned for us to do. May all of us be found engaged in that thing so that your name might be glorified. And I pray that all of us, those that may be in current hardships and those of us that are, have not yet experienced it but know that it will come. May we live a life full of the Spirit of God, strengthened in our, in our faith so that when hardships come, we will conduct ourselves in such a way that your name is glorified even in our hardships. I pray this, Father, in the precious and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said,